Hey everybody, you're listening to the Hope in Crisis podcast, where Tim Costello brings you intimate conversations with his inspiring friends from around the world during this difficult time of coronavirus. Our desire is that you will be filled with hope through these conversations to remain faithful and resilient during these unprecedented times. On this episode, Tim talks to John Katonga from Nairobi, Kenya. John is a journalist and the CEO of Inuka Kenya Trust. He is a former Kenyan government official who investigated fraud and bribery at the highest levels. John was the Vice President of Policy and Advocacy at World Vision International. So it's an absolute pleasure to have uh, John Gatonga as my guest. John is a journalist. He is a former correspondent for The Economist. Uh, John uh, has put his life on the line. He investigated bribery and fraud in his home country of Kenya and later was an official in the government or took a position and then uh, left because uh, he was investigating fraud and fled literally to the United Kingdom. Uh, John also uh, founded uh, the Kenyan branch of Transparency International and uh, he now is the editor of The Elephant. Great to be with you again, John. Hi. Uh, hi, Tim. I don't know whether it's good evening. It should be good evening in, in Australia. Uh, it's the evening here. That's right. I, 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 I trust you're keeping well. Thank you for your very gracious introduction. And uh, you and I were colleagues briefly in World Vision. so it's Absolutely. Great. We were indeed. When you were head of uh, World Vision Australia and I was in advocacy. Uh, right. It's a great pleasure to, to, you know, to, to link up again in this way. Wonderful. Well, I'm speaking to you from your home in Nairobi. Uh, maybe if we could just begin, what are you seeing in terms of the virus in Kenya? How is it impacting you, John? I mean, I think the most dramatic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, for me has been, of course, the measures that the government has implemented to um, to mitigate it. So um, we have a, um, a a dusk to dawn curfew. So we so you know the, the nights are eerily quiet. Um, we have uh, a social distancing, uh, physical distancing regime that was uh, embarked upon. Um, almost a month ago and was extended again this past weekend for another 21 days. So people are encouraged to, people are working from home, all schools are closed, all large congregational um, places have, have, have been shut down, uh, schools, churches, concerts, uh, pubs, uh, hotels, etc. Um, we um, uh, Obviously, you know, working working uh, from home uh, using Zoom like we're doing now has become the norm. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's what we spend our days uh, doing, actually. And um, um, it's it, you know, it, it's um, uh, you know, ironically, it's it's quite efficient. It's 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 quite efficient. It's it's always better to be able to see somebody, to meet somebody in the flesh, shake hands, and all that. But you know, we're coming to terms with the fact that that may be gone for now. And we're going to have to live a very different kind of life. In terms of deaths um, in Kenya, I think we're over 300 uh, COVID-related deaths. But our testing regime is not that um, um, thorough. Um, so 
uh, even though the government responded actually a lot quicker than even Western governments to implement um, the mitigation measures, partly because we had a bit of the infrastructure from Ebola um, still yeah. still in. So when I arrived uh, in Nairobi, I had been traveling, um, and I arrived on the 13th of March. Uh, my temperature was checked uh, when I told them where I, where I had been. Um, my address was taken. My mobile number was taken. So, um, so, so, so there's that level of preparedness. But you know, given the limited resources, what the government has done is shut down, um, you know, a large part of the economy. Um, you know, we know that the number of deaths that are being announced are um, probably uh, an understatement um, of, of the actual total number of deaths because we're not doing much. Uh, um, screening, uh, testing, and, and, and following up. It's um, a paradox, isn't it, that uh, coronavirus has hit the wealthy G20 nations the worst, yeah. from uh, Italy to France to London to the US, uh, and I guess international travel, international cities may explain that, um, but... Um, we're all expecting that African countries and those with the most fragile health systems will be hit with the same level of devastation. It hasn't happened yet, but is that how you see the projections or do you think you can actually nip it in the bud? The, the, the measures that have been implemented across a whole range of sub-Saharan African countries, because we know the fragility of our, of our health systems, um, have been fairly draconian, uh, fairly ruthless in terms of shutting down, and they're enforced by the police, and you get arrested. You know, you, you're arrested in Nairobi if you're not wearing a mask wow. now. Um, and, you, you know, if you're arrested if you go out, if you're out during the curfew. Um, you know, you go into supermarkets, there are sanitizers everywhere, um, there's social distancing, physical distancing, so, you, you know, it, it, so uh, uh, those, those, those measures have been implemented. Our expectation, however, with regard to the mortality rate was that given when we first started seeing cases here at the beginning of March, uh, we expected that things, matters would peak um, this uh, last part of April, beginning of May. The, the figures that the government is, um, is giving out uh, on a daily basis uh, do not as yet seem to indicate that we are on that uh, spike yet. But as I said, given the lack of testing, um, you know, um, we, we, you know, we cannot be completely sure. So there are other signals that we are watching for which is, you know, like as, 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 they've, as we've seen in, in, I think, in Ecuador, where um, the real big sign that, that COVID-19 is sweeping through the community has been the morgues are full. Um, people are even being forced to, to leave bodies on the, on the side of the road to be picked up by trucks and married, buried mass graves. So um, we're definitely not there yet. Um, there are quiet inquiries. You know, people are inquiring into... Uh, whether we've seen a spike in, in uh, respiratory um, deaths, cause of pneumonia, TB, etc., uh, because the the, um, the the people with existing conditions here 
um, you know, in, in, in the West, they talk of, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, etc. Um, you know, the, the disease of old age. But uh, here in our, in our generally quite young population, you know, overwhelmingly actually quite young population, um, um, the, the big concern is that, you know, we, we you know, uh, year or so ago, we're dealing with a cholera outbreak. Uh, we, we have uh, a percentage of the population that is living with HIV AIDS and, and many are on ARVs. And so it's, it's um, the intersection um, of COVID with these existing conditions that is yeah. causing the greatest concern. And uh, because you aren't rich, you haven't had the non-communicable diseases of uh, blood pressure, being overweight, uh, diabetes, perhaps in the same proportion as the West. Would that be also a reason? That, uh, that, 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 that will also be a reason. Um, that and the fact that, you know, it's, you know, in this region of Africa, we are talking of populations where sometimes up to 70% of the population is below the age of 35. So yeah. people are pretty fit. Um, I, I know a number of people who have um, contracted COVID-19, both African, most of them actually, all, actually all the ones that I know personally right now, um, you know, got it when they were in, in you know, in the US or in, in, in Europe. And, yeah. um, and just having conversations with them, um, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an unpleasant illness. Um, but, you know, the comparisons that they draw uh, are to um, sick, illnesses that are quite common here, like malaria yeah. uh, and, other, uh, and other illnesses, which, um, you know, uh, in, in, in this part of, world, of the world, where, you know, we are quite accustomed to. So when people compare it, they'll say, well, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's not unpleasant, but malaria is far worse. It's much worse. Uh, much worse. But however, this one is fatal, but you know, again, uh, so, is, so is malaria. The parasite can live in your liver for a long time. So again, we don't know what the interaction between COVID-19. And, and, and we're hearing, John, that with disrupted uh, supply chains and the world turning inwards, that uh, supply of uh, malaria nets and uh, malaria treatment, a whole lot of that supply is putting people at risk, not of COVID-19, but of other diseases that uh, you've already got. That is, that, that is, a, that is a definite concern. Um, and I think that you know, we're concerned that we'll start seeing uh, mortalities, uh, the mortality rate rising amongst the population who had pre-existing illnesses for which they were being treated, the cancers, the kidney failures, the, you know, that whole raft of, of illnesses. But with our limited and fragmented um, health, health system, so partially private sector, pub, partially public sector, and the private sector is, is better but, but more expensive. So there's a lot of um, um, lack of clarity and, 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 confu and there's confusion in, in, in that respect. So it especially doesn't serve the poor. Um, and um, but health centers are, of course, um, now afraid, uh, almost afraid of how to handle COVID-19 suspected patients. Mm. It's almost as if the entire, the entire um, health center can shut down uh, because, you know, 
maybe not everyone has got the PPEs um, and people just don't know how to handle this. And so um, we are beginning to hear our friends where, you know, um, um, you know, people who, who don't have medication for some of their conditions, um, diabetes, high blood pressure, deaths from stroke, you know, one, which is just a, anecdotal evidence, uh, mainly amongst the middle class, that uh, those pre-existing conditions are beginning to to hurt, partly because people can't go to hospital and get um, yeah. regular treatment. Yeah. Let me ask you, John, certainly in uh, poor countries without social security, a safety net like the West, the order to stay home and not go to market can be seen as an order to starve. Uh, how do you economically survive? How is it for Kenyans and Africans generally? I think I think um, for large sections, especially of of uh, the continent's urban populations, um, a majority of of our urban populations, uh, which are some of the world's fastest growing cities, live in informal settlements, um, very you know very poor. Uh, mm. Um, people who who who, are, who have to earn a living every day just to stay alive. So um, um, the con you know the concern has been that um, if COVID nineteen gets a grip on any of these informal settlements, um, it will just sweep right through because people have to keep on working, people have to keep on trading, people have to keep on you know surviving. So so physical distancing has been a lot more difficult in those parts yeah. of. Uh, they're so congested. They're very congested. But people are taking um, seriously, um, you know, wearing of masks, washing of hands, um, but it is still difficult. Uh, fortunately, um, as of now, uh, thank God, we, we, um, we haven't seen indications of a, of a wave through, yeah. through um, the formal settlements. Um, in, and I, and some people say some of the measures, uh, especially stopping the congregation, you know, any congregation type event, whether it's going to church, going to a mosque, um, some markets have been closed. Um, uh, any, 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 even funerals, you're limited to the number of people who can attend weddings, you know. How many people are allowed at a funeral? Um, I think it's 15. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll need to check. But in yeah, Kenya, it's, it's ten in Australia. Yeah, yeah. It's about I think about fifteen people at a funeral, which you know, it's sort of for Africans. It's a very. It's uh, not a funeral. It's not a, it's not a funeral exactly. It's, <laughs> it's not a funeral. It's, it's, it's not a wedding. But I, I spoke. I interviewed um, a young lady um, yesterday who's um, um, you know doing some very interesting thing with Islamic banking here, and. Um, and you know, people are getting married on Zoom. So, <laughs> so you, know, you know, life goes on. Life goes on. I guess it's still legal. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Unlike uh, in the West, uh, in Africa, everyone goes to church or the mosque. People trust their uh, religious leaders much more than they trust politicians. Um, have churches, imams, actually been? leading well, shutting down congregations, or have they been saying, like some in America, oh, that isn't a position of faith. We should trust God and still meet. Um, a bit of both. 
um, we have some of mainly initially it was the Pentecostal evangelical the Pentecostal churches some of them the, were very opposed to the physical distancing and to the stopping of congregations and actually sort of lobbied for, the, for, for those measures not to be implemented as as thoroughly as the government was uh, was suggesting, I think the Catholic Church was also initially quite reluctant, despite you know, the fact that the Pope had already changed his his uh, his mo really in in yeah. uh, already. But but uh, they quickly had to come round, um, yeah. and so you know um, you know the the uh, church services are now um, aired on television, um, and you know people are very creative. Um, you know, people have you know, a little cottage industry of making masks and other equipment has come up. Uh, in Senegal, they've made ventilators. Um, wow. um, they've also, um, you know, they've also developed uh, a $1 te uh, COVID testing, uh, you know, COVID test. Um, so there's a lot of innovation going on and, and, and that's happening in the church as well. So yeah. now you can attend, you can, you can go to church via Zoom. Yeah. Um, and and other you know Microsoft I think it's, you know, programs which allow basically literally hundred hundreds of people to to be on at the same time, and um, uh, there's a way of you driving to pick up if you want to take communion, you can drive, you can pick it up, and you know so people are getting quite drive through about. communion. Well, you, you you drive through, you 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 pick it up, and so on Sunday you have it for you and your family, and you're able to attend mass, uh, and you know it's all being done via Zoom, and you know one of the ironies is that so, so McDonald's now has a rival from the church drive-through communion. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> McDonald's has 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 a serious rival uh, from the church, and and you know it, it's it's. Uh, well, you know, it's good. I think I think that that our 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 churches have been uh, forced to innovate in 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 this way because um, it is not unlikely that some of the changes that have been forced upon us by this virus, which we don't have a cure to or, or vaccine, you know, physical distancing in one form or the other will be there for quite some time. Uh, I'm not sure we'll be able to go into film theaters and sit next to each other for some time. Etc. Yeah. Etc. So, um, so these innovations are quite critical, and 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 uh, people have moved quickly in 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 that direction. But of course, this presumes the the uh, that people have access to the internet on their on their mobile phone, so that they can be able to to log on. Kenya's a bit better, you know. We have good infrastructure for for mobile telephony uh, in Kenya, especially in the urban areas. Um, other countries, um, so you know, the, the response of different countries has, has, has you know, has, 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 has been quite different, um, and some very effective. You know, we talk about Senegal, um, uh, Uganda, Rwanda, South Africa, um, where they've taken immediate action, um, and the, the leaders appear on television um and and reassure people regularly and so so i would say the the, the religious fraternity generally got off to a slow start yeah. and they suffered they suffered considerable uh, they, they suffered some credibility uh, damage as a result of that um because some of the statements made it sound as if they were more afraid about losing their tithe than yeah. um than actually going out and serving 
uh, are people who are in distress and 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 and, and filled with anxiety about this mysterious new new illness. However, they self-corrected quite quickly um, and uh, are now, uh, you know. Um, basically obeying all the rules and, 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 and not contesting them. Uh, it's different in Tanzania, where, you know, the head of state, uh, and I think one other country where the head of state has said, you know, uh, everything else stops, but people can still go to church. Um, but this, I think, uh, you know, will probably end up not being um, the wisest thing, especially with this kind of novel virus. And given that 60, 70% of Africans are, Rural farmers, are churches closed in rural areas also, or are they because they're not big urban congregations allowed to congregate? Oh, it's 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 a nationwide shutdown. Right. Um, a nationwide shut shutdown. Um, you know, um, you keep in mind keep in mind that um, our lessons here, you know, partly because of the way globalization has moved over the last 15 years, um, increasingly um, countries like Kenya, which are uh, Indian Ocean coastal countries, Kenya, Tanzania, Mozambique, all the way down to South Africa, um, um, the last 15 years has seen the renewal of very old relationships, you know, like with China, with India, with the Far East. And so um, in, in as far as we are watching what's happening in the West in terms of mitigation measures and the flattening the curve and all that, we're also watching and listening very closely to what's happening in Asia. Uh, what what happened in China, what's happening in Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan. Uh, these are very... Uh, interesting um, yeah. lessons from which we are learning. And I think that, I think the decision was made fairly, fairly early that, um, especially coming out of South Korea, where some of the earliest patients came out of Christian congregations, that sent home the message that, okay, um, all large gatherings aren't gonna happen. We're in the middle of Ramad Ramadan has just started here. Um, same is true for the Muslim community. All mosques are, are, yeah. are closed down, but you know, but you can tune in. You can uh, you can yeah. still hear the go online. Lesson. Yeah, you can go online. You can go <laughs> online. So, so the most important thing for peace and stability is electricity and the internet. Yes, can I um, say it sounds to me the picture of the government has been decisive. It's been clear. It's communicated. You've. You've been a thorn in government side in the past over issues of corruption. Are we seeing better governance? Is COVID-19 going to lead to some ongoing progress in greater transparency and better governance? I mean, I think if COVID-19 um, hits sub-Saharan African countries, with even a fraction of the force that it, we've seen it hit countries in, in Europe, the Italy's, the Spain's, the UK's, the US. Um, it, it, where governance is concerned, it will really herald a moment of singularity in that part of the reason our health system, uh, our public health system is non-functional is because of the corruption of the past. Because the money, um, that has been uh, allocated um, uh, to build this infrastructure uh, in this society um, has been systematically raided um, for the last uh, 30 to 40 years. So 
um, it's not only a matter of of, of development, um, poor development choices and priorities on the part of the leadership. It's also a, a major corruption issue in health and education, which are big big ticket spending items for any developing country. Um, it's, it's, you, know, you, you spend a huge amount of money educating and, and um, taking care of the health of your population, and so where the the elite is 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 predating on 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 these um, resources um, it undermines the system in the manner that uh, uh, we are seeing um, here and, and, you know and, and you know it's, it's not as if uh, it's, it's not a problem uh, it, it it is a problem but i say it's it's, it's a unique moment in that uh, to solve to solve this um, crisis and remain in power um, our elites will have to do something. We'll have to make things work. Uh, we'll have to implement things in a, with integrity, transparency, in a manner that people are confident and, and can trust them. Um, that when their officials appear on television and say we're, we're taking the following measures for the following reasons, that people believe them. Um, and we've got to get there fairly quickly. Um, otherwise, um, so, you know... COVID-19, given our demographics, is, uh, is as much a health challenge, uh, a governance challenge, as it is a health challenge. Yeah. In fact, in terms of the health side, um, uh, we've, you know, we've almost overcompensated because we know of the weakness of the health side. So total shutdown, people are in their homes, um, um, physical distancing, being enforced um, ruthlessly by the police, et cetera, et cetera. But um, this forces the question of, of how, how do we want to live um, as, as, as people? Well, what's important? Uh, you know, we, we, have, we say we are a rich country, wealth is being created, people are making money on the stock exchange, but we cannot cope with um, a virus like this one. And remember, we, this is a region where we have experience in dealing with this because you know, the HIV AIDS pandemic swept through this Central and East Africa and hit us very hard. I mean, we still have you know, um, uh, thousands of, of, of people who uh, are on continuous treatment for this. So this is not new. And ultimately, there was a recognition that um, uh, even though drugs are being developed, um, but in the early days, um, dealing with AIDS was a was a behavior change issue. Um, that actually, I remember interviewing the Ugandan president Yoweri Museveni. He hadn't, I think, I don't think he had been in power for, for for ten years. And um, the story, as it's told, is that um, you know Uganda had very good um, relations with Cuba who had helped them train uh, the rebels that took over in 1986. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the Ugandans sent a whole group of their top officers for training in Cuba. And if you remember at the time, in the 80s, Cuba had, at first... Great doctors. Exactly, great doctors and, and a very aggressive uh, HIV-AIDS program, which is quite yeah. controversial at one point yeah. because they were broken off. So, I mean, they had a, a very robust public health system there. Um, and so, the, you know, the, the Cubans immediately tested all these officers and found, I think they found about 50% of them were HIV positive. And so, at the next meeting where they met, 
Castro told, told Museveni, listen, you have a problem here. Mm. You know, you send me your best guys, you know, half of them have this problem. So, you, I mean, what, what then happened was leading from the, from the front, um, was, you know, President Museveni came back and said, listen, we have a problem. We've got to be open about it. And it led to a very interesting phase in, in, in Uganda, where Uganda became very open about talking uh, about HIV AIDS, destigmatizing it, uh, talking very openly about, um, uh, you know, that it is transmitted uh, largely in, in our part of the world through heterosexual uh, sexual contact um, and, and dealing with that discussion around condoms, discussion around, you know, staying faithful to one partner and stopping multiple. It's called zero grazing. So zero grazing. <laughs> zero, is, grazing. Is, yeah. zero grazing. Yeah, was, was, you know, zero grazing is, is, is when you have one cow um, in your backyard yep. for your own milk. It's called faithfulness and monogamy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, but, but, you know, they, they use these kind of terms which sort of, um, but behavior changed. And um, Uganda's uh, prevalence rate started going down because they have this, the entire nation bought into uh, this and believed the leadership. Ironically, the, the prevalence rate only started rising in Uganda when the ARVs arrived. And, yeah. uh, and you yeah. got... People thought they were immune. They were taking the medicine. Look, one last Thank question, you. John. In terms of Africa, we often hear of the tribal identity, tribal tensions, how it and lead to violence in elections. Given the virus attacks all of us, we're all biologically connected uh, through this virus. Is there any transcending of tribalism? Is there any lessons that we're all in this together for Africa? I think would I, I, I think I'd, I'd like to think so, um, because um, not only has COVID nineteen hit the rich world first within kenya within african countries the people who are being avoided by everyone are the rich why <laughs> because they're the ones who jump on planes and fly around the world <laughs> and so um people who have servants in their home the servants are, are, are afraid to come and work for them said so, you know you're the people who are flying to america and all these and spain and, and italy and all these places so it's it's it's, it's flipped it's, the richer uh, the nippers for once Exactly. So, so, um, um, but I, you know, I think, I think, you know, it's, it's a, I think, um, it's a very humbling time uh, for everybody who who sits and thinks and reflects, thinks coolly and quietly about this, because no matter how rich you are, uh, uh, no matter what wealth you have, uh, this is a viral terrorist, invisible one, that, mm. that is completely indiscriminate, does not recognize rich or poor, um, you know, no, no ethnicity, no race, nothing. So it's, 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 it's affecting everybody. So, it, so we haven't had any kind of mobilization uh, along ethnic lines uh, mm. at this time. And because, because, you know, we're building up to elections in a couple of years. Um, and that politics has been severely disrupted by this with a population that's saying, hold on, sort out this virus, which we're all afraid of, and fix the economy, which the measures that you've implemented to, to deal with the virus have, have interrupted. So this is an opportunity for, for new 
leadership that transcends uh, uh, yeah. these uh, divisions that have been communal ethnic tensions. Exactly, and can focus on, on what's important and sometimes hasn't been treated importantly enough of issues like just human safety uh, yeah. and resilience of, of health, education, um, etc. Um, that, that, you know, um, I don't, the thing about the beauty of this kind of virus is that um, the fact, you know, other pandemics and epidemics usually start amongst the poor. And it's the ritual sort of uh, huddled and, and tried to avoid it. This is this is different. This one is moving. They had to they they closed our golf clubs about two one and a half weeks ago. The <laughs> golf club still open, and then they realized, oh goodness, you know, we, we, you know, some people are, you know, no one's immune. People are dying there too, and I think that presents a, a tremendous opportunity um, for a redrawing of what. Um, growth and development and society means um, that it's not all about just making money and getting rich. Um, there are other tremendous benefits. First of all, I mentioned to you the incredible creativity we have seen out of just Africa's scientists with their own limitations, building ventilators, big industry wow. building, making masks. Uh, but then also that um, we can now see our mountains from the capital city. We can see Mount Kenya and Mount Kilimanjaro. And pollution has moment, lifted. Pollution has lifted. Uh, yeah. And so I, I'm one of those who thinks, hey, perhaps we should, this working from home is something that we should take a bit more seriously. We should, you know, <laughs> we should keep it up and keep an office here at the boardroom, but, you know, does everybody yeah. have to pack in? Um, and so, um, you know, I was joking with a friend that said, you know, Man has been the world's, the planet's apex predator for quite some time now. Sort of indestructible, sort of bashing through everything. And for the first time in a very long time, <laughs> uh, this apex predator has been stopped. You know, yeah. it's, it has been mind. humbled. We are all vulnerable. Yes. Well, John, it has been an absolute delight, and I know Australians will be uh, delighted to um, reflect with you. Uh, you're in our prayers, you and your wife, and uh, as is Africa, and, and uh, thank you for being with us. And, 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 and uh, you are in our prayers as well. Thank you so much, uh, Tim. Thank you for listening to Hope in Crisis. We're a new podcast, so we would really appreciate it if you would share this with your friends and leave us a rating and review whilst making sure you're subscribed to receive our future episodes. That would be great. Be blessed and we'll be back soon with our next inspiring conversation.